Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. In the studio today, Pastor Matt Marino filling in for, you're filling in for two guys. Yeah. Feel <laughs> There's a lot of pressure on you because yes. you're filling in for both Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Russ. Well, you know, I've, I've just I've just met Matt for the first time, and he can handle it. <laughs> I'm, I'm confident. Yes, and that's the voice of uh, the trusted Phil Moran. Thank you for being in the studio again today. Man, it's such a blessing to be here with you, brother. So thanks, both of you. Okay, so what we've been looking at is the, the letter to the Corinthians. And if you are unfamiliar with this letter, um, each letter in the New Testament has their own particular flavor. Um, in some of the letters, Paul is addressing pastoral issues like First Timothy and Second Timothy and Titus. Um, in other letters, he's writing from a prison and uh, t- telling the uh, the Philippians to hold on to their joy and rejoice in Christ. Here in this letter, in the, in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul, first of all, addresses the Corinthian church as saints and those called by God. And what, a, what an important thing that we have to hold on to um, from the beginning of this letter, because then he gets into just problems. You want to read it real quick, Phil, since you're right there? Yeah, um, when Paul addresses the, the first Corinthian letter, he addresses it in verse 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth. You are, in other words, church, you are of God. That's your identity. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, both their Lord and ours. Um that's such an important place to start any discussion about the, the Corinthian church because it's, as we know, that church had lots and lots of problems. Mm-hmm. And Paul starts out that you have an identity in Christ mm-hmm. uh, that transcends all of those difficulties and problems. It doesn't make them go away, and, and, and he's going he's gonna to deal with them, but he's going to deal with all those problems through the gospel, and he begins with the gospel. Yes, You've been called and set apart. Uh, not by anything you did, but because God chose you. Yep. So I guess one of the the objectives that we would have for you, the listener, as as you're listening to this particular series, is is just simply this: when you are facing some sort of trial in your life, um, or some sort of great blessing in your life, um, any season of life that you are facing, the gospel is always held forth to you in in times of trial as your. Um, as your solution and your answer, and in times of blessing as your anchor. I mean, Paul Paul talked about how I've learned the secret of contentment in all things, whether in in poverty or in abundance. Um, and so we don't need the gospel just for those times of affliction. We actually need to remember the gospel in times of great prosperity, don't we? Mm-hmm. And blessing. Okay, so we are now on chapter 6, um, and 
Paul addresses yet another problem uh, amongst the Corinthians. So I'm gonna start in verse one. It says, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And so apparently the Corinthian church, you know, there were court systems back then, just like there are court systems now. And these Christians were taking each other to court over what appears to be trivial matters in, in most of these cases. So they're, they're bickering, they're quarreling. They're not, they don't not only have party spirit among them with their teachers, but now they're taking each other to court. How does Paul address this issue? Well, and <clears throat> once again, Paul isn't taking them to the woodshed simply because they've got a, uh, simply because they have a problem. It's the way that they're dealing with it. You know, anytime you get, you know, more than one person in a room, uh, there's eventually going to be hurt feelings. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's just human nature. Yeah. And uh, surprise, surprise, uh, the church is filled with human beings. And, uh, you know, as uh, some, somebody once said, the church is a lot like Noah's Ark. If it wasn't for the storm outside, you'd never stand the stink inside. And <laughs> the... What's happening, what, what Paul's issue with Corinth is not simply that there's disagreements. Uh, you know, that's human. Yeah. It's the way they're dealing with it. Yeah. They're going to secular courts. They're filing lawsuits against one another rather than dealing with it within the context of the church. Yeah. And uh, within, within to find reconciliation and, and, and justice— uh, within within the church, they're they're dragging each other to court. So, how does that witness to the world? Well, it it tells them. I, I think um, there there's a fact that's kind of behind chapter five and going into chapter six about lawsuits. There's a sense in which the church court Presbyterians use words like courts, and I know that non Presbyterians might hear that and think, "What's that all about?" Um, well, it's good news for one thing, but. Um, Christ, uh, at the beginning of chapter 5, is saying, I am, uh, is in a sense present. Well, Paul is saying this, that, that Christ is present in the church. You know, Matthew 18 is sort of a parallel passage for that. It's that famous verse that says that where two or more gathered, there am I in the midst of them. And people use that to justify, you know, worshiping in nature or their house or something. And house is fine, as long as you're not trying to get away from the church. Um, but that passage is actually a church discipline passage. Um, there's all sorts of reasons I think that you can argue that this is good news. Um, but I think but I think one of the things that's behind this, and you even see a hint of it in Don't You Know You Will Judge Angels in chapter 6. And I'm not going to pretend to unpack that I know what that means and all that stuff about the afterlife. But I will say this. There's a sense in which the church is a higher court with a higher jurisdiction and a higher legal authority than the world. And so one of the things that this says about the gospel, and it's not good, it's a false gospel, is we're saying to the world... We can't handle this matter. I mean, we're going to judge right. angels, but we can't even like get two brothers together to reconcile this thing. And so uh, we're coming to you because we're a mess. Right, right. And, and Paul gives the alternative. He says, why not rather be wronged? Yeah. Wouldn't it be better to be wronged? And uh, tellingly, um, and you can see the theme beginning if you've listened, been listening to these shows, about First Corinthians, you can you'll see the theme that we've been talking about here once again. Paul has been challenging the Corinthian church over and over and over again for the sin of pride, and the gospel has been the answer in every instance. Yeah. 
uh, every every problem that the Corinthian church is dealing with is a manifestation of pride. And this one here also, uh, when, when Paul says, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? In other words, you're taking your grievances to a secular court. And there's a, isn't, isn't there a manifestation of human pride that sounds like this, by golly, I've been wronged and I'm going to get justice. And I demand justice. And, and yeah, the human heart yearns for justice, and we, and we hope for justice in our, in our law systems and, and within, the church, within the church as well. But when I've got a spirit that says, you know, by golly, my vindication is the most important thing, and I'm going to ride roughshod over you, my Christian brother, to get my vindication, mm-hmm. that the world will know that I was right. Where, where does it, where, where's that coming from? Yeah. Uh, that's not coming out of, you know, a, a heart that's humbled before God. That's coming out of a heart that's seeking my own justification, seeking self-justification, and uh, willing to go outside of the church to get it. And, and Paul's objection to that, and, and once again, just as we've seen before, Paul's not shocked that there's wounded people in the church that feel like they've been mistreated by others. That you know, you, know, you get more than three people, two or three people in a room, that's going to happen. Paul takes them to the woodshed for the way they're dealing with it. Yeah, absolutely. And this question, I think this is a stunning question. Why not rather suffer wrong? Yeah. Now he he puts it in the form of a question as opposed in the form of a statement for you to to think about it. Why not suffer wrong? And I think it's a bizarre question. Why not suffer wrong? Well, because it, it's wrong to suffer wrong. It's wrong that my rights would be trampled. And, and I think there's an implicit pointing back to the gospel here. Like this is the way that Peter deals with it. In First Peter, he says, though he was reviled, he did not re- revile in return. Though he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued to entrust himself to him who judges faithfully. That's the reason why we should... Uh, rather suffer wrong than be a bad witness to the world because our Savior suffered our wrong for us. So even here, he's grounding this in the gospel. Yeah, and, and we're telling the gospel when we, when we do that, when we follow in Jesus' steps, as Peter also says there, as we, as we wind up telling the gospel by, um, by entrusting ourselves to him. Mm-hmm. So there's one more problem here in 1 Corinthians 6, and it has to do with um, sexual immorality. Um, now, Matt, I since you taught on this recently, I think you should take this portion. What's the problem in, in verses thirteen and follow or twelve and following? What's happening here, generally speaking, and then how does Paul answer it with the gospel? Well, a, a, a shallow way to address it, but it's true, is to say that it violates natural law. We talked about that from Romans one during the break. You know, Paul says contrary to nature, something similar is happening here when he says the body is not for that. Well, the body, everybody has body, so that's natural law speaking too. Paul's making another natural law argument. But that's not the main thing he does. The main thing he does is that it contradicts the gospel. There's a verse in Song of Solomon. I think it's 6-1. I'm not sure. And now some of this I'm going to tax you for a second. It depends on your interpretation of Song of Solomon. But the traditional way to understand it was that it is a an allegory. Uh, what's the better word? Uh, it's a picture of uh, Christ and his bride. Uh, I know what's what people do with it today, and that's fine. Um, but there's a, a in chapter 6, um, I am in my, my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And uh, I just heard... Um, 
uh, the guy from Philadelphia, it's Scottish. Oh, come on, brain. Liam, Liam, Liam Gallagher, Gallagher, he preached on that. And he, he talked about that. And that has to do also with not just the person is yours and, and you are that person's, but also all that he has is mine and mm-hmm. so forth. And so this union between Christ and his bride is the gospel. Therefore, any disunion or misuse of that is an anti-gospel. So it's not just contradictory to nature, it's contradictory to the gospel because all that I have is mine, all that, uh, sorry, all that, all that he has is mine and all of mine is his. Well, what do I want to include in it? What do I want to share with my, my, my bridegroom? Do I want to share all this stuff that I've been participating in and misusing and trashing? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so, Phil, do you know what was happening um, in the Corinthian church at this point? Why does Paul even bring this up? Yeah, well, apparently, and, and here he's, he's addressing uh, sexual immorality uh, in the church. And, uh, I want to say an amen to what Matt just said. He's not just, you know, scolding them. And even though they need a scolding for sexual immorality, um, but he's doing it in the context of the gospel and that it's a violation of the gospel to take, uh, because I'm united to the gospel. The gospel tells me I'm united to Christ and mm-hmm. I can't drag my sexual immorality into my union with Christ. Mm-hmm. As Matt was just saying, but apparently on the on the on the very basic level, okay, well, what was happening? Um, the listener may know that it was uh, you know temple prostitution was very very common in the ancient world, and by temple prostitution, I mean in many of the Greek temples, you went to the temple and and, and performed a sex act as an act of pagan worship, mm-hmm. and this is just in this is in the air that the Corinthians breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds tremendously weird to us, although maybe not uh, in uh, our, our world is, is, is so sexually confused. But um, Paul, apparently some of the Corinthian Christians are participating in that, and Paul takes them to the woodshed, but once again, in the context of the gospel, mm-hmm. you belong to Christ. Yeah, You are not your own. Uh, you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, uh, because you belong to Him. Amen. Well, we'll stop there for the day. Um, Thank you for listening. If you want to get caught up on any of our past broadcasts, just subscribe to The Gospel for Life in whatever platform you use, Android or iTunes, and we will see you next time.